Hello and welcome to a new episode of Behind the Ground Podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Paige. And I'm Niharika. In today's episode, we're joined by Mills Oakley, a full-service national commercial law firm. They provide a new level of legal service that bridges the gap between the law and modern business reality. The firm is continually raising the bar on service standards by undertaking feedback sessions with their clients so that they can learn how to further refine their service. Mills Oakley has a proud tradition of assisting vulnerable members of the community to protect their rights. For many years, the firm has been partnered with Australia's leading humanitarian law firm to provide pro bono services to the missing middle. The missing middle describes the growing number of low to moderate income earners in Australia who are not eligible for means-tested legal aid services but are unable to afford a private lawyer. After many years in this space, in January 2021, so only a few months ago, Mills Oakley launched Everyday Justice, their own not-for-profit law firm dedicated to supporting the missing middle. We are so interested to find out where this goes in the coming years, but let's get into this exciting episode and let our guests introduce themselves. Hello, I'm Monique Stella. I'm a partner in the banking and finance team in the Melbourne office of Mills Oakley. And uh, Isabella Barnes, I'm a senior associate in the banking and finance team in the Melbourne office of Mills Oakley. And my right-hand woman. <laughs> Great. Thank you both. Now, we'll start off with our usual question, which is, what is your favourite coffee order? Isabella, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I would love to know um, what you how you analyse this answer, but uh, it's a strong soy latte. Look, when Paige and I are both here, we typically just kind of pick a side of whose coffee order we both align with most. I don't drink coffee, so I'm I'm not the right person to ask. But how about you, Monique? What's your order? I'm not a coffee drinker at all. I do get my caffeine in other ways, but not by way of coffee. Not coffee. How do you get your caffeine in? Is it tea or...? I was just saying to Isabella on the way up, I've already had three cans of Pepsi Max, so I'll be bouncing off the walls before then. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love that. I used to I used to have a Coke a day, which is pretty bad, and then I made it a duck. I ate Coke a day and that still was pretty bad. So I'm I'm lucky that I'm not in the office because I don't have like access to it. You only have one. <laughs> I'm trying to stay, I'm trying to stay away with it because I just know how 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 much my bank account will suffer if I don't. Well, I'd also love to know what song puts you in a good mood in the morning. And that can be, look, I said song, but it can be album, genre, artist, anyone. What kind of music puts you in a good mood and ready to start your day? Um, anything with really strong instrumentals. So a bit of an 80s girl, so love Queen, love Elton John, love a lot of the Beatles songs. Oh, so good. How about you, Isabella? Um, not quite a classy answer like Monique's, <laughs> but um, I love an early 2000s or late 90s um, playlist on Spotify. Uh, love Return of the Mac. Um, I think that's an embarrassing thing to say, but anyway. Um, so, yeah, that's probably the quintessential sort of morning song. Otherwise, I listen to a lot of podcasts, actually. So that's kind of how yeah, I Yeah, cool. Do you have any podcast recommendations? Um, I'm listening to The Journal, which is a Wall Street Journal daily sort of short and sweet news, I guess, program at the moment on Spotify. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, so any of the Bloomberg ones, it's all very boring. Um, any of the finance <laughs> and Bloomberg and Wall Street Journal um, Look, I'm sure they're super important being in banking and finance, so I'm sure you're on the right thing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, this one is one of my favourite questions, but if you could be an elite athlete in any sport, which sport would it be? I had always said that I would like to be a professional golfer because I feel like there's lots of money and very little notoriety. I would love to be an anonymous but very talented person. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I always said that. Or maybe cricket because that's really just the diehard fans that know about you and not the general public. Yeah, actually, that's a really good point. 
picking up on your point, I just think if I was good at any sport, I'd be grateful. So it really wouldn't matter what it was if I had any sporting powers whatsoever. So any sport would be nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's like I just like hand-eye coordination. That'd be yeah, a really good start. Absolutely. Oh, great. Well, I can definitely say that we feel like we know you a little bit better. So we'd love to find out some more about Mills Oakley. Could you both tell me maybe how did you know that you wanted to work in banking and finance or what kind of led you to where you are now? Sure. I'll try and get the abridged version of this story because it's a little bit strange how it all started. But I had from sort of late high school and during undergrad really wanted to do international criminal law and go work as a war crimes prosecutor at the ICC. And that did not obviously transpire. Um, I kind of yeah, I've had my bags packed and I'd applied for my master's over there and that was all kind of happening. And then I woke up one day and I was already working sort of in banking and insolvency at the time, just as a paralegal. And yeah, I woke up one day and the, the light switch was off and I was sort of on the banking train and yeah, within 24 hours that dream was dead and a new one was born and I haven't looked back in. Oh, that's so exciting. No, it is really cool to see how dreams and goals change as you move along and you do new things and new opportunities open. How about you, Monique? How did you fall into banking? Um, so I always liked the finance side, so I did a commerce degree, commerce law. Mm-hmm hated the law degree, absolutely hated it, and was going to be an economist. How good <laughs> is that? that is so, I know, that's so geeky. Um, and I got articles somewhere really good and thought I should do articles, and I did it, and I just loved the practice of law. Yeah. Everything about it, and I just, it's something new every day, and I just love banking. I just love banking and securities and things that other people find boring. We just, we just find exciting. It's very sad. It's a bit yeah. Sad. No, no, that's that's so good. I think that was a really good point as well. I think it reinforces one of the messages that we've had a lot on the podcast is that studying law and practicing law are very, very different things. And if you don't necessarily like something that you're studying, it doesn't mean that you might not like it in practice either. So it's great to kind of see that happen with you and in practice. Now, to talk about your approach to the law and to training graduates as well, I know you guys at Mills Oakley have a little bit of a different approach could you tell us a little bit more information about how you guys work with the law and how you train your grads yes so we have a um, graduate program obviously so we start off with the summer clerkships and we try mm-hmm. to get out of that out of the summer clerkship pool and during the summer clerkship time the grads or the students can decide what areas of law they want to work in and get a sense of it but it's quite a flexible arrangement so if they, they're in one team and they're wanting to do a bit of work in another team that's, that's absolutely fine and the purpose of the program itself is to you know for them to get to know us and us to get to know them and see kind of what areas you know they might be interested in but as a whether as a oh, during a clerkship or as part of the grad program, you, know, you don't have to make the decision as to where you want to be. You know, we encourage everyone to try different teams, try, you know, working with different partners, different personalities, you know, and find an area that works for the works for the individual. And I think that's really important. You need to, you know, as you said, it's not until you start practicing that you get a sense of what an area really is all about. And that's why, you know, it's important to be in be in the area before you make the decision, but also to work closely with people in that area. Yeah. 
And, and I'm sure the, the flexibility is so appreciated because I, like, I know that it can be quite stressful to be like, okay, well, I can only pick a certain amount of rotations. How am I meant to decide? Um, so that flexibility to try other things while you are still rotating in one practice area, I'm sure is appreciated by lots of students. Isabella, did you have anything to add? Um, it's a difficult question for me to answer because I was never a summer clerk or a winter clerk or a grad. And yeah. every year, sort of three times a year, I get asked to present to sort of the prospective clerks and grads about what it's like to work in banking and how to maximise your grad rotation and sort of um, how that all operates. And I have such little insight to give <laughs> that I never did it. But I think, yeah, Mills Oakley is sort of really strong in getting the right type of people and often very different people. So it's not just, you know, the top 1% of the cohort for a uni student. It's, you know, people with really different backgrounds and skills mm. that um, are appropriate for the work environment. And quite often it's, you know, really valuing EQ and a good work ethic and a real keen interest in learning and getting a hands dirty, which I think um, is really important and not just, you know, a grades-based selection process. Yeah, no, that's so important. That kind of leads on to my next question. I'm sure with having all of those people from different backgrounds, you guys have a great culture within your firm but could you both tell me a little bit more about what that looks like what are maybe some of the events that you look forward to or maybe some of even just the small inside the office things that you like as well very social very social (laughs) yeah sure so um, obviously BC before COVID we had Friday night drinks a lot Um, there was a lot of you know trivia night and you know sporting events and activities so we have teams that do social sports together Um, and even we had a PT come out sort of before COVID and they were training people it was really it was great I think you know obviously that's been really difficult to do during the last 12 months but really fortunate to sort of be back in the office now and getting together with people where you can and obviously footy footy tipping has just started exciting um and yeah so it's, it's very social sort of atmosphere here and you know yeah we're sort of friends with people in lots of different teams and it really encourages people to work together but also have fun together outside of work yeah no that sounds so nice it's nice that it kind of goes beyond just reading the law and practicing the law so just on that you know like there's a lot of um like a senior associate get together kind of for lunches and talk about what's happening in their teams and there's a lot of cross-team collaboration so it's not just about sat sticking to your team you know you're encouraged to kind of reach out you do a lot obviously a lot of work with other teams but you know your peers and counterparts in other teams are quite important in you know, developing rapport with others in the firm. Yeah, no, that's so nice. And I like, another. I mean, all of the questions are my favourite questions, but this one's great because you can really see how much you guys love your firm. People are so genuine when they talk about their firm and what they enjoy about it. So thank you for sharing that. Now, we wanted to ask some more questions about your individual journey. So could you tell us first, maybe what's been the biggest lesson or learning curve that you've had during your time at the firm? Um, or in your personal life and your career as a whole? Okay, so I suppose um, for me certainly, and it translates whether in my personal life or whilst at the firm, but I think it's kind of for, you know, law students or any students generally is, is trying to take risks and putting yourself mm-hmm. out there. And I'm always saying to my daughter who is just started uni, you know, you don't have to wait till as old as I am to learn this, you know. Put yourself out there, take some risks, look out for opportunities and seek out opportunities because I think in hindsight you look back and you think, oh, my God, I didn't realise that that was an opportunity and I should have done that or I should have spoken to those people or I should have taken up that opportunity and, 
and gone to meet with them. Or, but it, it happens all day and every day. And I think one of the um, big things is, you know, just seeing it for what it is and just grabbing it. It's usually also the most um, inconsequential thing that you think, oh, it won't make a difference. It's someone you're meeting at in the cafe, you know, when you're lining up and you start talking and you find out something about them and, and way leads on to way. And so that would be my my biggest, I suppose, life lesson. And I'm mm. trying to get better at that as even I get older. <laughs> no, that's such a good life lesson. I mean, I think you never know where your next opportunity, your next friend, your next challenge, anything comes from. So that is very, very important. How about you as well? What's your biggest lesson or learning curve? Yeah, sure. Um, I co-sign that, yeah, relationships in this industry in particular, but also in life, of course, um, are really mm. important. And, you know, I think it's important to sort of have some people around you that have the things that you really want and sort of aspire to have. And, and then you can strive for that and sort of learn from them. I suppose a really big learning curve for me professionally is I didn't probably realise until sort of later on how business and entrepreneurial the law can really be and sort of and I think Monique in particular is sort of one of those people that wants you to have um, you know encourages you to have your own practice within the practice and to sort of manage that business for yourself amongst the bigger business which is the team amongst the biggest bigger business which is the firm so sort of learning how to do that at an individual level has been um, great and very interesting but probably a pretty steep learning curve because obviously you you learn sort of the black letter and you learn how to interpret and apply you know facts to a certain scenario but you don't necessarily learn how to manage clients how to manage 100 clients at once and they all want something yesterday so I think that's one of the bigger learning curves is sort of everything that's outside of the black letter law um, that you kind of can't learn until you get on the job yeah no that's a really good point I think especially the client management stuff you know the way that we learn at uni sometimes doesn't replicate what is expected in practice in the sense that you know you, you have assignments but you get assessed on one day and for three hours and that's kind of it and then the subject's done but yeah. in reality a client's can be like I need help with this problem which is this type of law here and I need it by 3 p.m and I need this which is this type of law and I need that by 2 p.m and it, it's so not replicated in the way that we're assessed so it's interesting to kind of hear that that was your learning curve on the other hand of that though what has been your biggest success again within the firm or in your personal life or career as a whole sure I suppose professionally probably my biggest success is as a result of you know some really high caliber teams and people here at Mills I've learned so much since joining and you know in, in areas that I probably hadn't anticipated so we do a lot of construction finance for example and so learning the ins and outs of building and construction work which sort of isn't in my area and wasn't probably something I had anticipated learning that is actually quite exciting because it's a really nice surprise to sort of become you know get some expertise in that area and other than that you know the the firm has been really supportive with promoting me and you know giving me opportunities to do other things and I you know put up my hand to do some work with other teams sometimes where kind of they're supervising and I'm learning something from scratch in an area that's not you know my typical in my typical wheelhouse so that's sort of been a great experience for me. Oh, yeah. No, that's so rewarding. How about you, Monique? Um, I think our, also my biggest success is kind of since being at Mills kind of creating this banking and finance team. And I think it ties in with what Isabella said previously around um, the entrepreneurial nature of the firm. You know, it's, we've, we've done an incredible job. There wasn't a team here. We've built a team. We're still building a team. And the firm kind of supports that. And we're around people who are experts in their field and, 
you know, so we can lean on those for areas that we're not, you know, we're not experts in and that's enabled us to kind of be this team and, and I was going to say all women, but we don't, we now have a, our first male in the team. <laughs> so all, girls all girls and well, <laughs> um, you know, and supporting, um, you know, women in the law, you know, as part of that has been really important to me personally. So I think it's kind of building the banking finance team and building, you know, building the calibre of women in this in this industry. It's been, it's been, yeah, it's, it's been a journey and it's still a journey we're on. Yeah, no, that is so lovely to hear. And actually, you mentioned that Isabel's like your, your right hand with all the work that you do and the importance of mentorship in the law is so, so important. But how does that relationship kind of work? And maybe Isabella, did you create the mentoring or Monique, did you? And and what have you both kind of gained from it? And maybe what advice do you have for students that are looking for mentors? Okay. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, so I suppose like the truthful journey of that whole thing was when I joined with Monique maybe six years ago, it was at a time where the senior, the other senior practitioners in the team were coming and going from mat leave and which actually left open a really big opportunity for me, which was I was junior at the time, but had access to the only banking partner in the Melbourne office. Um, And so really had, you know, a straight line to the top from the bottom, which ended up being, you know, such an amazing opportunity for me because I got to, you know, be mentored by Monique from the start, which I think can be quite unusual because there's such a layered, you know, the team is often Mm. quite laid in terms of you might work with senior practitioners sometimes and other juniors other times and so, so that was kind of a series of events that led to the, me being mentored probably more directly and, and quicker than, than probably otherwise would have, would, would have been. And I suppose advice for other students and other juniors is to find someone that you really click with and that you both personally and professionally sort of are on the same page. And I think Monique and I, you know, we have different working styles sometimes and we have oh, different. Yes, very different. <laughs> I do everything at the last minute on the fly and Monique likes to Um but leaving sort of those small differences aside, I think at the core we believe in the same things and we um, are trying to achieve the same things. And I think if you can align yourself to someone that shares those views and supports what you're trying to achieve and sort of lets you do, I think for me personally in particular, lets you do what you're trying to do without sort of hovering too much as a helicopter mentor. And I think, yeah, that was really important for me to sort of have a long leash to kind of work things out on my own. And I think too, you have to, you know, you have to personally like the person, you know, and you have to be personally want them to succeed and and help them succeed and give them opportunities to succeed. And certainly here at Mills, it's a very, it's a very flat structure. Everyone, you know, there's no hierarchy, there's no issues around clients, you know, and I think that suits both of us for different reasons, but it enables us to kind of grow each of our practices and grow the team and, and be be part of something bigger, you know, and that's we're part of Mills, but we're also part of the banking team and we're responsible for that. But I think, you know, you you one of the things that you um you need people to have similar standards and values as yourself. And I think that's really important in any mentorship kind of arrangement. And I suppose both of us are quite hectic, even though we have very 
different styles of how we work. We're both quite hectic and we're both, you know, quite client-driven and it's all about the client, it's all about the delivery, it's all about the service. And that makes it a lot easier because your outcomes are aligned. Mm. So that's why I think it's worked out, you know, so well. And that's why, you know, everyone in the team kind of has to be part of that journey with us. It's not just us two. We're kind of part of you know, a much bigger team and we're only all as good as each other. Yeah, no, that's a lovely message to end that answer on. Thank you. Now, a little bit more broadly, if you could do law school again, what's one thing that you would have done differently that our audience can kind of start doing now? Well, I was probably a longer to me than you but I think I think just getting back to the risk issue you know just looking out for opportunities doing things and you never know like you're probably doing a subject that you're not really engaged with but you'll still learn something um, you know and I think that's part of the beauty of law is that you're always learning something and you'll never know everything and that's that's part of the um, dress of it but it's also part of the appeal of it so you know I would just say you know, embrace, embrace the opportunities that come your way. Yeah, no, that's definitely a great word to use to embrace it all. How about you, Isabella? Um, I really try not to, I guess, go over things in my head and get too caught up in sort of what I would have done differently. And I don't like to think about regrets and things like that. But I suppose um, my university experience talking to sort of other law students was quite disjointed in that the first couple of years I was not engaged at all and treated as an extended holiday that I shouldn't have taken. Um, And then the last few years was, you know, quite anxiety-driven in an effort to sort of recover from that laissez-faire attitude that I had so I think um if I I would have liked to have had it a little bit more balanced where it was sort of being engaged from the start but having a you know a a balance between sort of social life and and uni rather than you know two extremes although my personality is so extreme anyway that it kind of (laughs) in hindsight anyway um but yeah I think you know being engaged in sort of activities without doing it, you know, obsessively to try and get things on your resume and, you know, be engaged in subjects that you may not be interested in without sort of obsessing over them. Trying to find that balance I think is what I probably should have done and hope wish I would have done, you know, a little better. Yeah, make the most of more opportunities, I yeah. think. You know, I think too we're, we're kind of both, both our personalities are very extreme, like we're either in or we're out, so either... We're part of everything that's going on. I think at university, you need, you know, it, it, it pays to, I suppose, immerse yourself in the experience. And I think it's really hard for students now to do that, a lot more so than when I was going through. And you have to make more of an effort, which is, you know, another layer on top of that. So I think it's, you know, just, you know, to make the most of what's there. And I don't think you realise what the opportunity is until it's passed. Yeah. No, that's all such lovely advice. Thank you so, so much. Now, our last question is a little bit of a tricky one, but, you know, my job as host is to ask you a lot of questions and I've thrown plenty your way, but is there anything that I've missed that you think is really important to share? Any question that you think I should have touched on, but I haven't? Uh, maybe, Isabella, do you want to go first if you've got one? I think, you know, in reflecting on and, and coming off the back of that last question, reflecting on my time at uni and for other law students, I think, and I'm not sure, you know, necessarily whether it's the same level of importance now as it was then, but there was a lot of stress and anxiety on do you have enough extracurricular activities to get us on the clerkship? And it's really competitive and you've got, you know, 100% of the cohort trying to get 10 jobs, you know, or 100 jobs across 10 firms. And it, it was quite a stressful experience, which was only exacerbated by the fact that I 
decided that I would try at that point to recover from, you know, really doing very little in the first few years. So I think, you know, and at the time it was, I'd applied for maybe, I think it was 12 or 14 clerkships in my fourth year, I think. And I got barely a response from any, but all of the responses were no. So I didn't get a single interview. Um, and that was pretty disheartening at the time. And I, you know, it was very much a, it was my fault and it wasn't anything else and I should have tried harder. And there was a lot of self-deprecation at that point, I think, which is probably unavoidable when you are that kind of personality trait anyway. And I think probably the message to people is not only are there different sort of paths to practice law, obviously in-house and government and all that sort of thing, but I think there are different paths to get into private practice if that is where you want to go. Um, and I think, you know, I suppose I'm a testament to the fact that you can kind of have a good private practice experience without having done a clerkship and a grad rotation. It was pretty stressful at the time to not have those opportunities and see all my friends have those opportunities, but it kind of all works out in the wash and you have to have a little bit of confidence in yourself. So I think that's kind of the message I wanted to, to give for me personally. Yeah, no, that's so important. And it's kind of why we created the podcast in the first place is to kind of hear about these experiences from people that are being open. So thank you for being so candid and kind of just reassuring people that, yeah, there's all of these opportunities out out there and not all of them will be for you, but you will find your way and you will find your path and it will be okay in the end. Yeah. And hearing that message from someone like you that has had all the successes that you have and the mentorship that you have and, and what you're doing now is, I think, really reassuring students so thank you Monique did you have anything that I've missed on that you'd like to touch on picking up on Isabella's point I kind of I feel for students coming out and having done a law degree now because there's so many of you know of them but you know there are different paths and there are different options and you know don't beat yourself up and don't you know don't get too stressed by it you know just keep doing things you know and getting on the path that you want to go on you know and show you know Everyone who does a law degree is reasonably bright, but, you know, it's not necessarily having the H1s that get you a job and it might not necessarily be the first, you know, job, but, you know, it will be a step in the right direction. Show enthusiasm, show that you're a team player, you know, show that you care about your team, you know, those in your team that's not all about you. And I think those kind of traits are just as important as kind of the H1 and the um, and the results and the subjects that you studied whilst at uni. So, you know, put, put yourself out there, do things, you know, do other things. Yeah, and I like what you kind of said. I think it ties really well back to what you said earlier, that it's just little steps, taking little steps, trying new things and kind of working towards that direction. That's really important. But that is kind of all for this episode. Thank you so, so much for all of your advice and how open and candid you were. I've left this conversation feeling really motivated to go and do my reading. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. It's been so lovely to chat to both of you and to hear more about what Mills Oakley does. So thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Grind. We're so thrilled to be able to bring you season two. So make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. These links are in your show notes. That's all from us in this episode, but keep an eye out for more information on our new upcoming season. <laughs>